0: Peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. All right, for us today, uh, there's a couple, couple questions that, that a pastor that I know uh, uses as he goes to just kind of work with other congregations to equip and help them. And, and uh, so he's, he went into one congregation where there was a lot of struggle, a lot of fighting and conflict and difficulties. And, and as he went in there, he asked one of the elders... Uh, one of the elders that had been having some problems with a pastor. That never happens, does it? <laughs> never. Okay. And so he went in, and, and the first thing he did was he said, are you, are you interested to see if Scripture has anything to say about this? And the elder, of course, said, well, yeah, and, and we should always, I, I need to qualify that. I need to pull back my, my phrase, of course, because there was a time before this pastor asked that question, are you open to, to, are you interested in seeing what Scripture has to say? One time he met with an elder and his wife and he laid the Bible across the table and said, would you, would you open Scripture up to this passage and read that for me? And the wife of the elder grabbed the Bible, threw it back at him and said no. Whoa. Like, wow, okay. So part of our renewing of our mind might be, what's the basis for your life? What's, where do you find truth? Because maybe if we're finding truth from the world around us, we might fall into the Psalm 1 trap. We might be sitting at the feet of those who actually lead us away from Jesus rather than the scriptures that lead us to Jesus, which is what scripture is all about, right? And so if I look at the scripture and just say, oh, it's just about how I'm going to live or whatever, then I'm really not getting out of scripture what scripture wants to portray, right? Right? So as we look at this, he, he asked the man and the elder said, sure. And so he, he had the elder who had been speaking really poorly of the pastor. Again, that happens all over in churches because we're human sinners. He said, would you just look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 5, too? And, and so what uh, that elder did, he read that out loud. And let me just read the, the first verse there to you, verse 29. After I'm sorry, 429, that's better. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And the elder, then, uh, then the pastor, was talking with him. He, uh, he said, now the next thing I said was the most important thing I've ever said. And that was nothing. He just let the man wrestle with God rather than with this other pastor. And you know what happened? That man looked at those verses. That man spent his time on verse 29. And after a minute of silence, if I was silent for six seconds, you would be like, what's going on? What's he trying to do here? Okay. After a minute of silence, this pastor I know started timing. And after six minutes... You and I would think that's eternity, six minutes of silence. Okay. After six minutes of squirming in his chair, of looking at that word, he, the man put his head down. And then he lifted his head back up and looked at this new pastor that was there and said, I have sinned. To which that pastor immediately announced forgiveness and they moved on. So let's just take a minute here, because now that I've got you at a certain spot, let's look and see what God's Word has to say. And let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. So if we look at verse 3, if you have a bulletin in front of you, I know I don't have it on the screen, but it says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And as we do this, I want you to think about the first question. So there's four questions that this pastor wants us to all kind of think about. The third question there is, um, are you interested to see what Scripture or if Scripture has anything to say about this? That's the third one. Really important because it gets us engaged with God, not just with another person. But the first question he wants us to ask is this one. How may I best serve you? And I'd actually like for you to take and memorize this question. Write it down if you need to. Use this outside of church today. Use it today at least once with somebody else. If you're married, use it with your spouse. If you have kids, use it with your kids. If you have neighbors, use it with your neighbors. Okay? Let's, I'll say the question again. I want you to repeat it after me. How may I best serve you? Let's do it together. How may I best serve you? Now, what's so interesting, if we think about that question and then enter into verse 3 of Romans 12 again, let's take a look at that. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Does anybody here ever struggle with thinking of themselves too highly? No, not me, Pastor. I would never, ever do that. You see, some people like to go around and say, look how great I am. You're not that. Some people, like your pastor, like to go around saying, look how lousy I am. (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, is a wonderful way of saying, I'm so filled with pride, I can't let the topic go away from me. Right? And then the other one that came up yesterday as I was with a group of people, and a very precious, wonderful person. Wonderful person said that they were willing to help anybody but had a hard time receiving help. You know, that probably describes redeeming grace to a T. Okay? We're pretty willing to do what we can to help people, all that kind of stuff. Now, I can't speak for you because I don't know what drives that within you. But I know what drives that within me after I've taken enough time to look. You know what that is? I don't mind standing above you and reaching down to help and lift you up a little bit. You poor individual. I don't even mind standing alongside you to help. But when I say, see, how may I help you can imply I'm above and boy, you sure need some help. Or I'm alongside and I sure can help you. But when I serve you, you know what that means? means I humble myself and I don't look at myself so highly. So I go underneath and I say, how can I help? How can I serve you? How can I lower myself down to meet those needs that you would have? Because I don't need to look down upon you. I need to look up. Doesn't Jesus say that we're to humble ourselves and he will exalt us? Maybe the reason that we don't like to receive help from others is because it might be saying to you and to to those around you, it might be saying that if I need help, that means I'm worth less than I thought I was. Could that be the case? Could that be what happens inside of us? And if it is, and you hear this verse. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. A while back, our technology broke. We needed to have somebody come in and fix it, and he did a great job, and I, I think we're blessed because this other guy came in. I, I think we're actually blessed because it broke. <laughs> but if you asked me at the time, do I trust God that he's going to work through this to bring out what's right and best? I may have even said the right words out loud, but if you checked my heart rate, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> this morning, I couldn't get the camera to work together with other things, that was network problems. Do you know how many times I hit retry? Close to 100. Any idea what the anxiety was for me this morning? <laughs> Measure of faith. Some of you, some of the people that I talk with, some of the students at Concordia, I'm so thankful for them because they show me what it means to trust. I've got a lot, of, I think I've got a fair amount of knowledge. I, can, I know what to do with the scriptures oftentimes. I know how to share them with you. But do you have people in your life that they're really good at talking the talk, but walking the walk is a difficulty for them? You're looking at one. I want to, but I struggle. Can I humble myself and see people where they really are? Or am I so interested in how it makes me look that I'm with this person that I can't lower myself to a position where I can really best serve them? Can I really be all in to serve somebody who doesn't make me look good? Where I feel like they're a burden when they're with me? You don't have anybody like that, do you? Honestly? Are there people that you just as soon not be with because... It's just a, it's a lot of energy, and, and there's, there's not a lot of payback. Mm. Remember how the man, after six minutes, looked up and said, I have sinned? Can you ever read this passage and look up and say, I have sinned? Everybody watching at home, these people are really tight to the vest today. They're not showing any expressions, at least not that I can see, because I, my eyes are failing. So, What I want you to know is that when we look at this and we think about humbling ourselves, we have to go somewhere else. We have to go to verse 1. In verse 1 of Romans 12, it says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. In the end of chapter 11, he's talking about how awesome God is, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. He's just inscrutable. He's he's amazing. This is an awesome God that we serve. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. It's all about Him. And you know what this God did? You all do because you've been coming here for a while. Sue, I don't expect you to know. Okay, because you haven't been here before. But everybody else, right? What does God do? He humbled himself to become a servant to us, to come below us, to die on a cross. Do you know in Romans 9, the Apostle Paul says, I would rather be cursed than to see me, my people, the Jews, not get it, not come to saving faith. I would rather be cursed. Do you know what your God did for you? He was cursed for you. Cursed. cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. I remember what Stan told me, because I tend to remember a lot of what he tells me. And he said one time, what brings a tear to his eyes is sacrifice. Is there a greater sacrifice ever than God Almighty laying down his life for you and for me? Does that still bring tears to your eyes? Are you overwhelmed by the greatness of the God Almighty who would show you mercy, one who does not deserve it? Remember what mercy is? Mercy is when I'm driving too fast down the road and Stan pulls me over and he doesn't give me a ticket. You know what grace is? He gives me $100 and says, have a nice day. Your God has been merciful to you. He doesn't give you the death you deserve. And he's been gracious to you. He accounts all of Jesus' perfection to your account. Is that not the most beautiful, awesome thing ever? What would happen if you spent six minutes just living in that truth for a while? Then it goes on. So you see, Romans 12 is after Romans 1 through 11. So there's all this discussion about how broken we are, how great God is, what God has done for us in his son Jesus. So now we can view his mercies. And now it says, what is it going to look like now if I'm living by viewing, by looking at God's mercy for me? What does it mean for me to live this way? One way is to humble myself. This next way is also quite challenging for us. Oh, and by the way, this, what happens is it happens by the renewal of our mind. So what needs to happen is we need a new way of thinking, a new image. So if it's really true that Jesus changes us by changing our very nature, He makes us new creations in Christ, He does that for us in our baptism, that then changes our view of God, which in turn changes our identity in Christ. So if my view of God, I, I had a, a CTX, former CTX student write down that his view of God is kind of like a, a big guy on a throne with a lightning bolt in his hand watching us. Okay. Now our God is the almighty, all-powerful God. So that part's true. But is God kind of pulled back and just like the not involved, he kind of set things in motion, now it's just up to you to do all the right things? Is that our God? No. Our God is intimately involved. He hears us. He answers us. Does our God kind of have an aloof status to us? What promise can you tell me that reminds me that that's not the case? He's different from us, but is he aloof? Never will I leave you, nor forsake, forsake you. you. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. God says, I'm with you. What's the word for that? What's the Greek word for that? It may not be Greek, I'm sorry. Emmanuel? God with us, right? He's with us. He's intimately involved with us. So he's The Holy Spirit, according to Titus 3, verse 5, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings the renewal. So as we live in our baptismal grace, then He helps us to see that God is not just this ruling God, not this God who's angry about our sins, which He is, but He's also a God who's filled with love and mercy and grace for us to take care of those sins by punishing His Son in our place. And as that Holy Spirit begins to renew our minds, we see our God in that fuller way and we begin to see ourselves in a new way also. Sons and daughters of the king. People, if we think about ourselves, what the verses go on to say is this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. I'll close on this. Jesus not only calls us to humble ourselves, but to see ourselves as members one of another. Do you know that's really, really hard for us as Americans? Right? Because we're a bunch of individuals. And yet God says, if Bob is having a hard day, guess what? I need to be recognizing that and join him in that. If there's a need there, I want to be all in with helping to meet that need. Say, well, Pastor, I can't do that for everybody. Nope. But are there people that God's put in your path that you can do that for? And he's giving you the resources and the strength and the love to do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it okay if I'm okay when Marilyn's not? (laughs) Yep, that's Marilyn's problem. I'm really doing great, though. Just got a book that I'm going to use with you at some point called The Louder Song. I hope if you're a reader and you enjoy reading, I hope you buy it. It talks about lamenting. Wouldn't it be great if we actually cried out to God for one another more and more and saw ourselves as part of something bigger than just ourselves? When I'm living in God's mercy, when I remember that Jesus was cursed for you and for me, he then sets me up to humble myself. What's the question again with that? How may I serve you? Serve you? So I'm to humble myself and then be involved with you, one another. Amen.